Have you seen this? You watched The Wizard of Oz and thought it needed more decay and body horror. Welcome to Have You Seen This? The world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Yes. 100%. You know, an interesting uh, thing about this movie is that when um, Walter Murch was collecting ideas for it, a lot of his inspiration for the Kansas sequences came from the book Wisconsin Death Trip, which of course later became the 1999 documentary of the same name. And it, when you see those Kansas sequences, you're like, well, yeah. I see it now, yeah. This is bleak as fuck. <laughs> That's Kansas for you. But, right, no, I, I had a, another bit that I was just going to go right into after that. You know, have you seen this? Um, G'day cunts, how's it going? Pop a VB, grab a bunning snag, and don't get swooped by the Maggies, because we ain't here to fuck spiders. In this episode, old mate's gonna return to Oz, hey? <laughs> Blimey. Crikey. Oh, you mad cunt, yeah. you legend. <laughs> you legend. Uh, yeah. what, what movie are we talking about, Jen? Uh, it is called The Wonderful Land of Oz. No, just kidding. Okay. Um... I hope you didn't watch Wonderful Land of Oz instead. It was uh, Return to Oz. Although I do want to talk a little bit about Wonderful Land of Oz. Hey, how about Return to Sender with this movie, huh? Oh, I don't know. I, I, um, I was thinking that there are other movies of this type from the era that I like better, but I do think this one is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I only had a memory of seeing it as a kid and being like, what the fuck is this? Like... Oh, man, I never saw this as a kid. It, and it definitely would have scared the shit out of me because I was an oversensitive child. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, already I had a problem. I had the same problem with this movie as a kid that um, people with childlike minds have with with <laughs> movies now, which I'm like, where are all the characters that I like? Why is uh, suddenly uh, Dorothy like a little kid when she was like an older teenager? Um, um uh, Coke to the gills, but uh, <laughs> you know, not her fault, right? But. Yeah. Um, it, look, it just you know, I'm sure we can blame are... Victor Fleming and Louis B. Mayer and blah yeah, blah. Yeah, it's blah. just diet pills, just so she could stay thin and work 18 hours. But like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I remembered, you know, there's there's this precocious, you know, teen girl and like her musical theater buddies who have like this <clears throat> this fun rollicking time and everything's you know kind of like you know light and camp and you know it's it, it's it's fun and it's you know it's it's this technicolor musical and then we return to Oz and it's like a bomb went off. <laughs> It really is. Yeah, it's like all those characters that you liked before, like yeah, they're 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 basically dead. They, they aren't in this. Like the you know, like the the friendly scarecrow th- that you danced with. Like you know, he he's gone. That um uh the the tin woodsman who had all this like pathos and heart, you know, the the very sensitive, you know, uh you know, but strong character. He's like, "Oh, yeah, he got turned to stone. He's not going to be doing anything this one." 
Coward. The chicken shit lion. Yeah, chicken shit lion. No, no, <laughs> no. Okay. Remember the the fabulous, you know, um, wondrous, beautiful Emerald City. Yeah, it's fucking ruins now. How do you like that, kid? <laughs> well, I'll say this. Um, this movie came out in 1985, mm-hmm. and it really is reflective of a different era for Disney because this was released by the Walt Disney Company. Yeah. Just like everything is now. Well, it's like, let's not slavishly adhere to intellectual property, quote unquote. (laughs) Let's make something different. When do they do that shit now? Yeah, that was a huge mistake. And Disney vowed after that, like, nope, nope, never doing that again. Right, because this did not recoup its costs. Instead, Um, we're going to have a Disney Plus series on the backstory of the Ruby Slippers. We're oh, going to learn about the mayor of Munchkin City and what he was like as a kid. <laughs> and it's also funny because as much as the 1939 Wizard of Oz is a beloved touchstone of American cinema, mm-hmm. which it didn't start out as being, it was actually apparently quite overshadowed by the other huge movie from that year, Gone with the Wind. Um I don't think the original Wizard of Oz broke even for like 20 years, which is wild. Um, As much as people love the original Wizard of Oz, it isn't that close to the source material. And in fact, uh, Walter Murch, um, sole directing credit for him, because I think that uh, the experience like uh, probably soured him on features. Could be, yeah. Uh, Walter Murch wanted to make something which very closely followed L. Frank Baum's books. And uh, before we get started, I want to say if you're an Oz head or an L. Frank Baum-ite, um, yeah. I don't care. Uh, save that shit for your web forums because like, we don't give a shit. Um, we're just going to talk about the movie we watched and our uh, experiences with uh, the Oz stuff. But I, like, I don't know a fuck of a lot about L. Frank Baum or Oz. Did you read the books too? No, I'm unfortunately like I'm not an Oz scholar either. Uh, I had heard once about the characters in it being allegorical, and maybe that was relevant in U.S. history at the time, but fuck, I could not remember it. Sorry, kids. Okay. Well, and the thing that gets me is like how um, if you think about um, if you think about the Oz stories like what what little i know of them you realize like how much l frank Baum like repeated himself because it's like okay well we don't have the tin man in mm-hmm. return to oz but we have a metal man right <laughs> he's, and, he's made uh, of brass it's completely different kind of metal and um we don't have the we don't have the scarecrow but sometimes TikTok runs out of brains. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have a kind of a jack-o'-lantern guy. That's yeah, like no scarecrow, scarecrow, but yeah, but there's Jack Pumpkinhead, yeah. and we don't have to- we don't have much of Toto. But hey, we got a chicken. Yeah, <laughs> we got a different friendly animal. Right. Um. Well, before we get too uh, deep into the deadly desert or whatever the fuck, um. Oh yeah, Tim. yeah. Let's let's go to Oz. And by the way, the first place you you see will absolutely kill you. Like if you've if you've ever wanted to combine Oz with Threads, <laughs> uh, here you go. Um, Tim, how would you summarize the plot of this movie? Oh, 
Um, a rock monster eats an egg. Was <laughs> killed by a chicken. <laughs> Thanks to Will Vinton Studios. Right. Did you know that? I I knew it from reading the credits. There you yeah. go. Yeah, Will fucking Vinton. Like the 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 heavy hitters on this are incredible. You got the Will Vinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, claymation you've got brian henson playing and performing um voicing and performing jack Pumpkinhead. yeah um obviously walt disney and all the resources of uh elstree studios i think at the time um british cinema hadn't yet completely collapsed mm-hmm. um but hey yeah but that that claymation alone i'm like this does not look cheap no <laughs> It's really cool. Yeah, it's really well done, and there is a lot of it. Like, thinking of, you know, like, Ray Harryhausen, you know, um, you know, skeleton swinging swords, it's like, that seems, like, sparingly to effect. But this is like, yes. okay, you're going to have a conversation with the rock monster, and it's like, this is like, are you just, like, setting m- piles of money on fire making this scene? Yeah, it's really wild, and the visuals in this movie are arresting, but yeah. um, apart from... uh. Rock eats egg. Mm-hmm. What else is this movie about? Um, well, like I said, it is about um, uh, it is about people being turned to stone. It is about um, being trapped in your own body. It is about decapitation. Um, it is about uh, becoming a a monstrous caric- caricature of life. Um, and you know, these are all things that happen to like a ten year old girl, little Feruza Balk. Yeah. I think her first feature. Yeah, it did say introducing, so that would indicate. Yep, and she's she's quite good. She's um one of those child actors who has a naturalness that is mm-hmm. that plays very well. And um geez, and you know, this poor girl is in peril like the entire time. It it just just obviously like a completely different feel from the original Wizard of Oz. And um you yeah tim did you like the original i didn't i actually did not see it until like i think my late 20s like in its entirety i mean i liked it well enough i mean i'm straight so i like it as much as a straight guy (laughs) likes the wizard of oz (laughs) but you know i appreciate it for what it is like people say i don't like musicals they're they're wrong i mean you know wizard of oz is a good musical that's true yeah and there was a conscious decision made to have this movie not be a musical which is probably for the best um are are there a lot of terrifying musicals out there uh, like i don't uh that's a really good question um i don't think phantom of the opera counts right yeah i mean i guess you know me as a musical theater expert i should know but unless you're really scared of chandeliers uh i mean i'm as scared of chandeliers as i think most people are (laughs) um but like I said, Walter Murch wanted to make something close in spirit to the L. Frank Baum books because the original Wizard of Oz is really like, um, you know, it's colorful mm-hmm. to take advantage of the Technicolor um, process. Uh, the silver slippers from the book become ruby slippers for that play reason. Play better on screen, yep. Yeah, it, and it's very, it's it's bright and cheerful and like yes there are scary things like yeah like uh kids were scared of margaret hamilton when she appeared on sesame street years later so you know that movie definitely had scares but not to the degree yeah it's this one it's a different kind of scare like it is it's 
it's the differences between like you know being scared of a witch versus like being scared of like going to prison right or like being trapped under a rock for a hundred years right yeah you know think little things like that like it isn't like spooky kind of scary it's like um i don't know the the police are going to kick down your door kind of scary yeah it's like a whimsical johnny got his gun yeah, yeah exactly so yeah because the first one like i said it was more camp it was more like arch and it was it, it didn't seem as like grounded in actual terrifying things and maybe that is right something that you know the original writer it, you know was more tapped into in the same way that like you know how like fairy tales like as read are also like fucking terrifying yes it's, you know it's like oh this this one's gonna capture you and then eat you and your sister right you know or you know this this wolf's gonna devour you after you know killing your grandma stuff like that so maybe that is, you know, how Osborne tapped into that. And then the, the movie adaptation kind of veers away from that into more, you know, lighthearted fare. But but no, Return to Oz returns indeed right back to those those original terrifying notions. Right. And um, this was an interesting era in children's entertainment where it actually got like super dark. And we're talking about like big budget, elaborate productions that really had the power to terrify kids um you know one example that had some of the same personnel um including uh gary kurtz um who was of course a producer on star wars and was also a producer on return to oz um he also did uh he also produced uh, the dark crystal yeah which fucked me up when i was a kid i was so scared of everything in the dark crystal yeah. Uh, yeah uh dark crystal labyrinth i mean those are labyrinth, yeah those yeah. Are, are are peas in a pod but yeah dark crystal you know you see the the gate yeah the gate that's a good one let, let like kind of like less less um less high fantasy you know, than the, the previous two i want to say yeah like less notable and you know probably much lower budget but still like it you know it came out around the same time it had featured children mm-hmm in peril like mortal peril and it's fucking like those little those little creatures that run around in the gate yeah i'm still scared of those fucking things yeah and and like in the dark crystal you get to see like some country schlub bumpkin get his uh soul sucked out and then the anti then like the protagonist's girlfriend dies at the end and then um the part that was the scariest thing in the world to me is when the emperor just crumbles into dust. Right, yeah. Oh, my God. You see people's just bodies crumbling. Um, Yeah. just so scary. Yeah, it's a fun adventure tale for kids. And and I I forget the actual timeline, but this is does tonally seem consistent with, like, you know, Ralph Bakshi's Hobbit movies. Because those are also pretty unnerving as well. Um, well, Ralph Bakshi did Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit was, um, those were, that was, uh, Rankin-Bass, Right. Um, which one am I... But I mean, even, but that's the yeah. thing, like, Rankin-Bass, like, is like, oh, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, like, um, all these, like, cute stop-motion specials. Mm-hmm. Rudolph's Shiny New Year and all that bullshit. And then they're doing, and then they do The Hobbit, which is all scary with, like, trolls and dragons and shit. Yeah, um, that was... So it's like... Everything was getting like more dark, and um, 
Yeah, and this is way like, before comics in the '90s got dark. So there, <laughs> suck on that. Well, well, I feel like, um, like, uh, well, okay, like, uh, I, I've literally never thought on this topic before. So I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be freestyling. Okay. So correct me if I say anything stupid. But well, I start now. um, like, uh, this was kind of the era when, like, a lot of, um, kind of grown-ups had, like, you know, they'd had their like they'd had their adolescent period and their, you know, wide-eyed innocence and stuff like that. And then we get into the 80s and, you know, that's past the cynicism of the of the 70s. Like, the 70s were like a cynical era, but then you had a return to the blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, big crowd-pleasing movies like Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. But then there was a turn towards... Um, kind of like more serious minded fantasy and i'm trying to think of like culturally like what that could have come out of a couple of longtime friends george lucas and uh gary kurtz uh were starting to their friendship was starting to crumble a little bit and it had a lot to do with what was happening with lucas skywalker ranch etc um lucas was uh moving into like a more commercial era like um you know industrial light and magic was growing you know there was like hundreds of staff like the movies were getting bigger you sell out george lucas yeah and like kurtz was like hey you know like what happened to like all our youthful ideals of you Mm -hmm. know making really interesting artistic statements and i kind of like to move a little more towards that you know which is why he did like a really like off-the-wall project like Dark Crystal with Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll go you... That that movie gets boxed into, like, kids' entertainment, but, like, you watch it and you're like, this is, like, really serious? <laughs> and, like, you know, fizz gig aside. Right, yeah. It is, yeah, it isn't, uh, uh, it isn't childish despite being for kids. Yeah, nominally for children. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> the other things, too. Um, Never-ending story, you know, like that. That's contemporary. Right, time. I totally forgot. Yeah, yeah but Neverending Sten- Story is a really good um is a really good example because like no, it's only you know, about everybody... the end of the world. Right. Like everybody and you know everybody talks about the scene with the horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's another um, there's another childhood trauma for you. But I remember my best friend talking about a scene uh toward the end cuz um this is one of her <laughs> favorite movies of all time. The scene where um there's the big rock guy mm-hmm. And he's sitting there talking about how, like, he tried to hold on to his friends and things around him. But he's like, you know, I just couldn't, I just couldn't hold on to them. Yeah. And she said she was just, like, crying watching the scene because it's so sad. It's like, yeah, like, the world has ended. Like, this, his universe has crumbled and his friends died in front of him. Yeah. And it's like, that's in a fucking kids movie. Yeah. I think that, um, and it does make me wonder if, um, I'll, yeah. you know, some. All beloved childhood some, movies. Yeah, and, like, some of these, like, uh, great fantasists of our time, um, for whatever reason, were making these movies that were more, that were darker and, and more cynical. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to say, because, you know, like, Hansen definitely always had, like, a, um, like, his, he could, do, he could definitely do dark humor mm-hmm. when he wanted to. Like, as much as the Muppets were like, oh, it's for families, mm-hmm. but, like, some of those, like, early ads he made where it's, like, a character will just straight up fucking shoot another character. <laughs> Look, I don't... Why, why are you so bothered by shooting someone with a cannon, Jen? 
Just like shoot it like, oh, like you don't you don't drink this coffee, I'm gonna shoot you in the fucking face. <laughs> it's like this is for TV. Yeah. Um or like uh I can't believe Kermit murdered someone early in his career and they just swept it under the rug. <laughs> well, that guy's Teflon. Yeah. Like. <laughs> you can't touch Kermit. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're piggy. Yeah. Um you know, there was this move in the eighties toward like, you know, fuck it. Like we're gonna do like really fucked up dark shit mm-hmm. and it was it wasn't because everybody was like getting more cynical because like i was reading um i was doing you know research for this and you know reading through biographies of george lucas and like other um you know players from the time mm-hmm. and th- one of the books i read pointed out like how different in tone uh temple of doom is from raiders of the lost ark that's a good example yeah yeah, where it's like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark is like, uh, you know, hey, it's like rip-roaring adventure. And, you know, yeah, it's like there's there's adventure. danger, but it's like it's exhilarating. Like, it's, you know, it's the worst it's the worst enemy you can think of. It's like fucking Nazis. And, yeah, I'm you know, going to punch this Nazi in the face and we'll, we'll win. Yeah, but it, it's like, damn, that like, fe- it feels really good to see all those Nazis melt at the end. Yeah. But... You know, this bio was making the point that, like, Temple of Doom is, like, a lot cruder and meaner in tone, Mm -hmm. in a way. Like, you know, the violence is more explicit. Like, you have, like, Indiana Jones, like, slugging a little kid. Yeah, we're going to watch this guy get his heart ripped out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Was it because all these guys were getting divorced? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't Hey, blame trickle-down economics. I don't know. Oh, yeah, well, you know, this was the era of Reagan, so you, everybody was turning into a huge dick. Right. So, um, yeah, like, I, I I, don't know. Maybe smarter people can figure it I out. I can't but, say um, why. I only lived through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're too immersed in it. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, so with Return to Oz, it's like this. you have this dark take on Oz where... Um, at the end of Wizard of Oz, like Dorothy has to say goodbye to all of her friends, sadly, but she's so happy to be home, mm-hmm. right? And then at the open in the opening of Wisconsin Death Trip, uh, I mean Return to Oz, <laughs> same same. Um, you have you realize that Dorothy is being considered like seriously psychologically disturbed, <laughs> right? Yeah, sort of like the I don't know Alan Moore reinterpretation of like you know whatever. Charlton classic characters where it's like what if what if Dorothy was actually just mentally disturbed let's take that right well well I I don't think we could legally watch a movie made out of lost girls (laughs) probably not like I don't think yeah like yeah um but yeah it does fit more with that like you know it's being it's like oh it's it's the difference of like being scared by a witch versus the difference of being scared of being like you know, ha- having your like hands and mouth duct tape and being thrown in the back of a van. <laughs> right. Because like we, we, you know, we start off with, um, you know, scenes in Kansas, Dorothy can't sleep and her and her auntie M wants to take her to a quack doctor. Yeah. It's who's going to give her electroshock yeah, therapy. Yeah. Yeah. The first one's like, um, uh, what uh, Dorothy, Dorothy's just like bawling tears because the mean old lady's gonna take her dog away, and the second one is we're gonna give electroshock therapy to a little girl. Yeah, like, and like, and I have to hand it to uh, Merch and his entire crew because mm-hmm. like they are unrelenting. 
like through the entire first part of this movie and making everything look as bleak and terrifying as possible. Yeah, like if you read this as like a horror movie, you're probably more on board with it because, you know, of, of the other um, you know, movies that we've reviewed, like uh, Fight Club or Jacob's Ladder or, you know, In the Mouth of Madness, this is all, these are all movies where our protagonist is crazy. Like they're yes. talking about imaginary things and everyone around them is like, uh, this this guy's got a problem. Yeah, and maybe in nineteen thirty nine you could kinda laugh off Dorothy saying, And you were there and you were there. Mm-hmm. Like, oh she's but got a bump in, on the noggin. Yeah, but in nineteen eighty five it's like, uh, yeah, like she's nuts. Right. Yeah. Like she keeps insisting that she know that she's she talked to this fucking line. Yeah. And she's like, let me tell you more about Oz, this place I went to, Oz, this one that, you know, there isn't any evidence for and no one's ever been there, but I'm going to keep talking about it. It's like, oh, God, you are so autistic. Which, by the way, is like so much more appealing than fucking Kansas. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think that might be the subtext of the first one. Be like, wow, a place where there's like color and interesting people and like a city. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's it's explicit in the original movie. It's like, yeah, okay, Kansas is black and white. Oz is glorious technicolor. Mm-hmm. Oz is better than Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> a little kid going to the big city. Well, at least she doesn't live in Nebraska. Yeah. But, um, anyway, so, yeah, so, um, Dorothy is psychologically disturbed. Also, more vulnerable because, like, she's this is a younger Dorothy. Yeah, this is an um, actual which I, child. Yeah, and it should be emphasized that it was the 1939 Wizard of Oz which aged up its Dorothy. I mean, they wanted, this was for Judy Garland, and she was, what, like 16 or something like that? Yeah. So, you know, they, they, uh, they, bound her chest just like they did to princess leia mm-hmm. they taped those puppies down yeah. and they said okay sing just like yeah just they threw a, a vest on um uh jennifer connelly jennifer yeah. connelly it's like oh man <laughs> like we've got enough bulges in this movie already mm-hmm. yeah that is that is too contoured yeah um yeah um but it didn't stop like everybody from having a crush on Jennifer Connelly uh, in that movie as a how kid. How could you not? Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You had to wait for the craft to wake up to Feruza Balk, but yes, you know. um, yes, uh, Feruza grew up very nicely. But um, <laughs> um, she did. Yeah, she, she's like a more vulnerable character in this movie. Yeah, and she's a just, she's a child subject to the whims of fucking Victorian medicine. Like, if that isn't terrifying enough. Right. And it's also funny how, like, it's, there are certain things in this movie which are, like, so, so scary as a kid. It's like, ah, the wheelers and, like, ah, mommy's heads. Uh As an adult, you know, watching a a child get strapped down to a gurney by Nicole Williamson and Gene Marsh Mm -hmm. and having electrodes put on your head you're like no. <laughs> look we're just gonna we're just gonna scramble your child brain real quickly and then everything will be okay because you won't have a personality it'll be you know rose kennedy over the rainbow in uh uh it, that was rosemary kennedy uh, we're friends I, I don't use the marie <laughs> you know? um Oh, hey, like in the sequel to this, um, Dorothy goes back to Oz again, but it's been taken over by uh, Donald Ewan Cameron, and he uses uh, psychic driving on her. 
It, she goes back again, and she meets Joni Mitchell, and they paved over Oz and put up a parking lot. <laughs> uh, MK Ultra and Oz. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so child in peril, um, but she is helped by another child uh, who it turns out to be Ozma. Just shows later. up, yeah. It, yeah, it's... it's uh, you know, it is. Uh, it's it's Dorothy and her imaginary friend Tyler Durden just <laughs> breaking out of the uh, you know Victorian mental hospital, right? And um, you know, Dorothy does draw like from her own life for her uh, her Oz fantasies, if they are fantasies. Who knows? Because um, Nicole Williamson, uh, the sinister doctor, mm-hmm. um, is also the Gnome King, and Jean Marsh, of course, is Mombi. Um, yeah. Prefiguring Bavmorda and Willow a few years later. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And uh, when she does get to Oz, it's like there's something really wrong. Like, this whole movie is like, there's something really wrong here. Yeah, it's like it's like when you're playing Existence and you're like, why are all these themes of decay and mistrust everywhere? Yeah. You know, <laughs> minor um, Cronenberg outing. And in fact, she had to leave, uh, she had to leave Toto at home. Um, which is probably good because he probably would have been caught by the dog catcher and gassed if he'd come along. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's um, separated from her dog just at the outset. Be like, no, 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 no fun, no, no comfort. Yeah, no escape. But uh, fortunately, she meets up with her chicken, Belina, who mm-hmm. has been failing to lay an egg, which also makes you feel bad um, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie when that's mentioned because you know what happens to chickens that can't produce yeah they get invited to dinner and uh but this is a talking chicken Mm -hmm. at least in oz yeah i it may have been a talking chicken back in kansas i don't know yeah well you know just talked really quietly yeah just kind of mumbles Um, to itself (laughs) dorothy's nuts she says the chickens are whispering (laughs) um but that's what starts uh dorothy's journey uh, to figure out, like, what the fuck happened to Oz? Like, why is it this blasted hellscape where all the people in the Emerald City have been turned to stone? Yeah, it's like, I go away for negative 35 years, age age minus, you know, seven or eight, and I come back here, and now everything's gone to shit. What the hell? Well, she does, she does reunite with uh, her friends in a way. Um, Tin Man, Cowardly Lion, Scarecrow. But they've been turned into stone. Yeah. Which, so yeah, all those beloved characters from before. It's it, you know it it has the same problem going in as Alien Three. Like remember how you know just by the skin <laughs> of their teeth, you know Ripley barely escapes with her you know sort of adopted daughter Newt who drowns in her cryo tube, and um, you know the uh, <laughs> the the android who she you know learns to to trust again, who is you know impaled by a. a, a by an eye beam or you know <laughs> her, her 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 buddy you know her, her brother in arms you know hicks who burns to death or some shit and it's sleep just like that's fun that's a great start thank you movie <laughs> yeah so you know if you wanted to see a reprise of we're off to see the wizard like you're not gonna see it everybody's a big rock now yeah so already that's another huge downer at, at the yeah. outset of this movie. I do like that 
and I know that the tone might be kind of a hard sell for people, especially if you're like <laughs> all in on the original, but I, I don't know. I think that's my it's main like, issue with it. Right. But it's, it's kind of like, okay, well, why not have like a dark twist on something? And it's not. Um, yeah, it has been, what, 45 years. Yeah, and I'm not sure why, like, some, like, maybe at this point, we're just, like, saturated with, like, returns to things, Mm -hmm. and it's, because Lord knows, like, I'm not paying attention to any of the Star Wars media that's coming out, like, that ship sailed for me a long time ago, Right. so it might be a case of, like, just, like, saturation, but, you know, this movie, which was, uh, I think, Brought into production because it's like, oh, shit, we got to use the option on this L. Frank bomb shit before it <laughs> goes into the public domain, which is the most Disney shit ever. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually astonished that it did eventually go into the public domain because Disney is currently making sure that absolutely nothing that anyone has even breathed yeah. in a Disney property is not 100% copyright Disney. Yeah, it's the end of culture, basically. Right. Um, so maybe it's just because this hadn't become like uh, well-trodden ground mm-hmm. by this point where it's like, oh, okay, we're going to do a dark take on like an old property and isn't going to, you know, mm-hmm. like. Um, it, um, that wasn't even may- hack at the time. This was just jarring. No. Yeah. It's like dark fairy tales were kind of less of a thing. It's like, you know, Company of Wolves had just come out. Yeah. If you wanted dark, you'd have to, you know, read heavy metal. Yeah, which was for grown-ups. Right, yeah. It's too intense. I, and, you know, maybe it's also because I'm not, like, a huge Wizard of Oz fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have anything against the Wizard of Oz or the L. Frank Baum stuff. I do, like, I did read some of the books as a kid, but they kind of start being the same after a while. I mean, I'm more of a uh, C.S. Lewis head myself, but, you know. I read those. They were fine. I think my, my jam was really... um. Redwall and uh, those uh, Tamara Pierce books about um, the chick who had purple eyes and did magic, and she was a knight, even though she was a girl. What? That is a fantasy. Yeah, those were really fun. Um, This must have been, like, really wild at the time, because, yeah, it didn't really go over with with the public. But, hey, okay, so Oz is now a blighted hellscape. Let's see where this goes. And sure sure enough, um, Dorothy meets... Starts to figure out who's responsible. Um, she meets Mombi, who is fucking scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, a single woman who lives by herself. Yes, already. That's pretty terrifying. <laughs> I mean, you can see why she started collecting heads. Right, yeah. She's, got, she's racked up a lot of bodies, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, you know, she needs a, a, a newer, younger face because she's, you know, going to hit the wall. Right. And uh interestingly one of uh one of the alternate mombies is the chick from uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. Ah. But she takes that head off and puts a different That's one. That's a shame. Yeah, just easiest change in your mind, putting on a different mm-hmm. face. Yep. And that is like even as an adult watching it, I'm like these scenes are hella scary. And it has a lot to do with um I think and this was a little bit, this was another one of our movies, which was a troubled production because um, the budgets are going up and this was a first feature for Walter Murch. So he actually got fired at one point. Mm. 
And the only reason why he was able to finish the movie was because he had some pretty heavy hitting friends. And Piper Laurie, who played Aunt Em in the movie, actually told tells this story. Um, she went to the set and there were three guys sitting there. Um, George, Francis, and Stephen. <laughs> uh, huh. Lucas, Coppola, and Spielberg had come overseas to shore up their friend Walter because mm-hmm. they, you know, they knew him from USC. Um, to be like, hey, you know what? Like, we we think you can pull through it, my guy. Like, we're we're backing you up here. So Disney actually like laid off of 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 merch and let him come back and and finish the film. So that's all um, it took was three giants of the industry. Can you imagine like having like three friends like that who'd just be like, no, nah, you're you're gonna let our friend finish his movie if you know it's good for you. No, I went to UCLA. Of course I can't imagine that. <laughs> well hey, they got that they had that Howard the Duck poster hanging up at Melnitz. Yeah, they sure did. That's a Lucasfilm. Mm. <laughs> it was so funny, they didn't even like try to like shove it in a corner. It was just like right in the middle there. It's like, yeah, yeah, we know about Howard the Duck. Like, as you walked in, like, if you were going to the, the Bridges Theater and, you know, you buy your ticket to the box office and you walk in or if you're a student and you're going to, the, like, the edit rooms or whatever, mm-hmm. like, there it is, Howard the fucking Duck. Yeah, hey, they're just big, what, Leah Thompson fans. Well, hey, who is it? Hey, yeah. Hey. Well, fuck a duck. <laughs> she sure did. Mm-hmm. Phew. Um, anyway, but enough about that bomb. More about this bomb. Right. Um, I... It's really hard to pick out what the issue was on the set. Like, there's, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, like, uh, it was, the production was taking a long time and, you know, they were spending more money. And the money is all there on the screen. That's Um, true, yeah. And I think, you know, the bean counters probably don't think it was worth it, but, hey, it looks great. Like, this is great production design, great effects, great costumes, great everything mm-hmm. um uh, but you know the production schedule is a little more of a problem because if you're not getting everything done that you need to get done then it's like hey we got a release date like where's your movie and this could have had something to do with like merch's inexperience as a feature director he really made his name as a an editor and also a sound guy and apparently he's also into like physics and stuff like that he seems like super smart and is really respected as an editor. Like he worked on Godfather one and two, like THX 1138, Apocalypse Now, like all these really great films. But like looking at interviews with him, he does seem like more of like a cerebral guy and maybe less of a guy who is like, like I had seen it said that oh, hey, like, you know, maybe somebody who had been better at working with actors would have been good. But it doesn't, it's not like a Lucas situation where you're like, wow, I can really tell this guy does not want to talk to people at yeah, all because yeah, these performances really show it. Yeah. It's like the performances in this are great. Right, yeah. But maybe a lot of that comes from, like, the, the, the Henson people, like the performers. Yeah, because it is a very, like, puppet and animatronic heavy performance mm-hmm. or, or ensemble i want to say i mean you know three or three of the characters you see most aren't even act aren't even people right yeah it's, and um that's not even real chicken in some i shots. know I, although i'd be hard pressed to tell 
Yeah. I was I was tickled when I was reading about um, I was reading some articles about the production of this movie and they had like forty different chickens. Yeah. Uh, to stand in for Belina, and every chicken had like a label on its cage of like what it would do, like sit and stay, uh, run to camera, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. Like the single the single task that a chicken can be relied on to do, because right. you can't really teach a chicken multiple things. <laughs> <laughs> and um apparently for Rich it was really important that these chickens be like accurate to the period. So mm. he actually went to a person who bred like historical chicken breeds. Okay. Like what would a girl in like the 1900s in Kansas have as a pet? Yeah. And it would be this kind of chicken. Yeah, give me the good kind of chicken. Give me the real 1898 chicken. Oh, and they also had to have um extra small chickens that Feruza Balk could carry because she was little and had little arms. Oh, yeah, and a, she couldn't carry she couldn't fire. carry the regular sized chicken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is adorable. Mm-hmm. But um Yeah, but there's something that is even a little more upsetting about the just the age of um of Dorothy in this because there's a point where it's like if you're like a teen or a tween, it's like, yeah, you're a young adult and you kind of have some agency. But mm-hmm. there's something about this where it's like, um, just like if if you're a kid that young, it's like the the kind of ways and means of your life are well outside uh, out of your hands. You know, it's like you can like you can kind of dress yourself, and like you know you'll you'll know <laughs> to like ask for food if you're hungry. Right. But like, what is a kid that age like? What agency do they have? Well, and that might have a lot to do with, uh, like, why Oz exists. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, in possibly in Dorothy's head. Because, you know, as a child, you have no agency, but you can go to this magical land and you are, like, admired and feared. Like, everyone's like, oh, Dorothy Gale. Like, she killed the Wicked Witch of mm-hmm. the East or whatever. It's, uh, I mean, but that's the role that fantasy serves for people is like here's a place you know it's a place where i can go and be like the coolest guy Mm -hmm. ever what do you think chair (laughs) oh i got nothing good to say about this the chair would talk in oz i bet yeah it would be some just horrible amalgam of like you know some uh you know like an accountant's soul was like ripped from his body when he was turned (laughs) to stone and then he was cast into this and then he'd just been staring at the wall for a hundred years and, and yeah and that was a thre- like that was a thread that i i dropped when i went into my uh little cul-de-sac about um walter merch in the production of this movie mm-hmm. um like as a director like obviously his sense of pacing is just going to be like spot on mm-hmm. and the way that he establishes mood like you know with the help of all the people in the crew like making these incredible sets and you know uh the director of photography who i think um was originally freddie francis but he was uh he was shit can due to i think disagreements with with uh walter merch um i He's think like, i want it was you like... to feel depressed like in your soul watching this movie <laughs> well what i had seen was that uh freddie francis like dude like what are we doing? Like, we got to get this done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Merce being like very detail oriented was taking a little longer than he wanted. So they got David Watkins, who uh, actually um, was the DP on Help, starring the Beatles, mm. which I found very interesting. 
Um, you know, great. The like the photography is great. Like everything having to do with the mood and kind of like the pacing of these scenes is just like fantastic. And and this might this episode might be us like kind of like previewing spooky season because we are going to be getting into October. Mm-hmm. Because you know, as Tim said, like you you can absolutely view this as a horror film. Yes. Like, and a lot of the scenes are paced like horror scenes. Yeah, it is meeting, it is going from like one tragedy to meet another monstrosity to barely escape a horrible death. Yeah, like, oh, um, everyone in in the Emerald City is, has turned to stone. Oh God, here they come the wheelers. Yeah, every, yeah this, this fantastical city is in ruins. Everyone you know is basically dead. Um, you're set upon by savages, and now you're you're trapped with a um, with a mechanical man, a grotesque mockery of life. And then you'll meet <laughs> who's proud of his lifelessness. Right? Yes, he's proud that he has no soul, or you know something like that. And then you go to meet another guy um, after you meet the uh, decapitated woman who has a gallery of heads, which means I guess there are thirty other dead women because of yeah. her okay we'll just just take that as a note and then continue along in the story with a child um going on an adventure without you know any kind of guardian and then you go to meet a um a scarecrow whose body has been rent asunder and yet he lives another <laughs> another mockery of life that's this you know sort of um you know, grotesque version of the human form um and yeah then together they um they assemble a literal monstrosity and fly to escape the um uh the princess who by the way is chasing this little girl around as a um as as a, a headless shrieking woman so you've got all the all the fun lighthearted adventure of sleepy hollow going into like the <laughs> the first third of return to oz yeah you can see why um this movie really only hit with certain children like the weird children <laughs> yeah the the ones who grew up watching the craft basically right yeah um yeah I, yeah certain kids i'm sure absolutely love this movie um other kids were probably terrified right yeah because it is a terrifying movie i mean you're you're only like a golden arm away from you know from from uh princess mombi you know chasing uh, chasing dorothy around without a head on yeah and uh, by the way, she takes a look at Dorothy and is like, "Hmm, you'd be nice to wear eventually. Let me lock you in the tower." Right? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to kidnap in prison and then behead you, child. Like that's just another fun story in this just cavalcade of horror. Yeah, and you know, honestly, sexualizing a child. Oh, I know, but she's like, "Hey, you're 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 gonna grow up nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna keep you. <laughs> you're you're gonna grow up into." Uh... Uh, and, and do, uh, <laughs> she... you're going to fuck Edward Norton in American history. There we acts. go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I hope that, I hope that Furza was treated better than Sarah Polly was on adventures of Baron Munchausen. <clears throat> I know. Right. Or Judy Garland for that. Yeah. Matter. Yeah. That's where the real horror is. If they had done like a sequel to Oz, it was just like the, about the behind the scenes of the making of where he just got like this coked up teen girl. <laughs> Well, have you have you like have you seen like any of that stuff about like Sarah Polly and like Terry Gilliam? No. 
where she basically went back to him. She wrote him a letter years later that was like, hey, like, I was really severely traumatized while making Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Mm-hmm. And and he was like, whoa, damn, like, I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm Terry Gilliam. You're trying to describe what is this trauma? Like, I bathe in that. Mm-hmm. Like, how would, I don't... I don't understand what you mean with this word. It is, is this not a, the normal uh, uh, way a child grows up? No? Well, knowing uh, Terry Gilliam of late, he's probably like, traumas for snowflakes. Get over Could it. Could be. I don't know. Uh, um, the, guy, yeah. the guy makes some weird movies. Um, then he made Tideland. Yeah. Uh, also, um, Ozma, who we've never really met or been introduced to, she's a kept prisoner as a ghost here. Oh, yeah. She's just like a shade wandering around. Yeah, we're fully like into like Lord of the Rings, like, you know, uh, ring wraith territory at this point. Just like, what is going on? Like, Oh, and this is a funny thing. And a thing that I only mm-hmm. know from watching uh, a very terrible Oz movie called Wonderful Land of Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times as a riff tracks. Well, yeah, um, you'd have to. Wonderful Land of Oz <laughs> shares a lot of the same uh, elements as this movie because it was it was drawn from some of the same sources. And I can't keep any of the Oz books same straight, so don't fascist drum majorette characters. Oh, General Ginger, <laughs> maybe one of my favorite characters. She's such a lunatic. <laughs> Not just in a riff tracks, but maybe of all time. Well, because she resonates with you like on a deeply personal level. Oh, yeah. She has powerful only child energy. Right. Yeah. She's like, I want to be in charge. I don't want to do any work. Just make things happen. She has tons of sandwiches. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's uh, like, I I love her. But yeah. So that's uh, that's General Ginger from Wonderful Land of Oz. But um, commonalities between that film and Return to Oz, um, the Ozma thing, obviously, because in the two movies, like Ozma is eventually restored to the throne as the Galadriel. rightful. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, she diminishes and goes into the West <clears throat> and becomes Galadriel. Right, right, right. And remains, ga- remains Galadriel. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. It's been a while since I saw those movies. Um, So... Ozma is restored to the throne, like with the help of her friends, uh, you know, the uh, some of which are in um, uh, these two movies. But um, in Return to Oz, Jack Pumpkinhead asked Dorothy if he can call her mom um, in lieu of his real mom, who he's is Ozma. And, you know, that's canonical, apparently. But because... In this movie, they I, I think because they just didn't want to go into that whole ass backstory of Ozma's childhood mm-hmm. um, and the creation of Jack Pumpkinhead, like they just kind of gloss over it and they inadvertently end up being really progressive because he's like, oh, I was created by my mom, Ozma, thus correctly gendering Ozma. Okay. Because if you'll recall in Wonderful Land of Oz, um, Jack Pumpkinhead is created by an apparent boy named Tip. Mm-hmm. But it turns out at the end that the evil witch Mombi uh, was charged with the care of a child, Ozma, the rightful heir to the throne right. of Oz. Throw the man in the iron mask here. But, you know, for whatever reason, uh, because she's a bitch or whatever, she she wanted to conceal Ozma, so she turned her into a boy. Hmm. So there's this weird trans narrative in Wonderful Land of Oz. And at the end of the movie, uh, Tip, the boy, 
is transformed into original Ozma. Gender, yeah. yeah, she Ozma. She is like you know her. Um, she can uh, present as the gender that she, maybe she always knew that she was. So um, strangely, like Return to Oz, completely by accident ends up sounding like really progressive because <laughs> Ozma was never tip. Ozma was always Ozma. Right. right. Ozma was always a fucking girl. Like even if you call if even if you called her tip and dressed her as a boy and raised her as a boy, she's still Ozma. Right, yeah. Now let's uh discuss the gender dynamics of Mr. B natural. Yes, let's. I'll, I'll put one in the swear jar for that. <laughs> um so yeah, that's 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 kind of funny, but uh, definitely I wanted to to something that I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, can I just say how thankful I am that the fucking Wogglebug isn't in Return to Oz? I because I... fuck that guy. I think that might have been a bit too much. This movie would have had an R rating if the Wogglebug was in this. <laughs> he probably would have been like a real bug. Like he would have been like the Gartham and Dark Crystal. Yeah, like a, an actual bug. It would have been, uh, it it would have gone like much further into like you know we would have been in like Cronenberg territory at this point where it's like oh yeah one of the protagonists and this is a humanoid insect yeah like, we're we're much. just gonna play it that way <laughs> it's okay. I fucking hate the Wogglebug <laughs> so then they they narrowly escape um, from the headless woman they they fly across the desert uh, the desert that's that we've seen it reduce people to sand. Basically, yeah, and we see um, get we see one of the wheelers time. die. Yeah, or a couple of them, like by touching the desert. Oh, by the way, if um, people don't know this about the wheelers, but if theater kids don't attend one Ren Fair or Game of Mafia per year, they will turn into wheelers. I thought that's how you, how they turned into wheelers, but I mean, either way, it's <laughs> bad news for the rest of us. Yeah, and you know this that's they, that is why the wheelers are so terrifying and repulsive yeah, is cuz they're all theater. They have kids. strong theater kid energy. It's it's true mm-hmm. and that's probably the most horrifying thing about this movie. So they yeah, they go across the, the desert and um then uh, they end up on what the lonely mountain? No. Um What a, it's the gnome it's where the gnome king Yeah, lives. they they go to the court of the crimson king <laughs> and he, like, you know, just plays <laughs> dumb. It's like, "Oh, hey." Oh, yeah. Right, so yeah, then um, they all get trapped underground, and you know the Goblin King makes his case in that you know it's like I'm made of stone. Of course, all stones, gems, and minerals are within my domain. Um, so that's right. why I took all and the I've, emeralds from Emerald City. Right, which is um, appears to be like kind of just like a a possession thing. And I have seen like you know scholars who are into this sort of thing have. Um, Describe the Gnome King as basically representing like rapacious capitalism. Oh, the Gnome King, my mistake. Yes. Yeah, like he j- he's just like, hey, That's, like, yeah, it's eminent domain. I want yeah. it. It's mine. Yeah, like I'm gonna like I don't care if these are all in the Emerald City. Like I'm just gonna take them. And he's also like really anti Minecraft because he doesn't like anybody digging. Right. Well, he yeah he he uh, proclaims you know domain over all all stones and minerals he he retains the mineral rights i guess he's sort of the <laughs> j paul getty of this uh, of oz but it's weird because like yeah he's into like um minerals and like uh geology and shit mm-hmm. but he's also into knickknacks yeah well i mean like he yeah. lives in a home goods he's he's the home king right <laughs> and he does also you know 
it's it's fitting he uh he proclaims you know domain over the ruby slippers i mean rubies those are gems ergo that, you know it must belong to him i i do like that reveal where he's like hell yeah i'm wearing them you like <laughs> he's fabulous i went to dsw yeah <laughs> I got the loyalty program. Do, I got five dollars off on my birthday. Do the ruby slippers have like that red, whatever the sole underneath? Is that Ferragamo or something? Are they Louboutins? Do you yeah. mean Louboutin? Walk a mile in these Louboutins. Louboutin. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, that's a good question. We never see the soles of the ruby. I mean, slippers. I'm sure they would now. They, would, you know, that's how they would reimagine them on some shit tier Disney Plus series. Oh, yeah, because then you could get the tie-in yeah, with yeah. Christian Louboutin. And, like, Disney adults with, like, way too goddamn would much money pay would pay, like... for a pair of shoes? Oh, they pay, like, a thousand bucks for, like, Louboutin, like, ruby slippers. Easily. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they'd, have them on a, they'd have them in a case at Disneyland, like, on Main Street in one of those little shops. Right, yeah. You, you know, go, where you girl. can go buy, like, arty Disney tchotchkes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Like, hey, shit. here's this... Here's a sculpture of fucking Pete's dragon made out of bronze or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they would be, you know, Chucks or something. And she'd be, you know, snapping her gum at you and listening to her Zune. I would love to have red sequin Chucks. Well, there, there, there. You're a fucking Disney mark now. I'm, well, I'm going to go to Etsy after this. Okay. I'm going to support independent artists. But, um, yeah, so uh, the Gnome King, um, as well as being a, um, a hoarder, <laughs> also likes to play mind games and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, cruelly dangle the opportunity for freedom yeah. and, like, in front of his captains. And also, he's a bit of a fan of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Because he's got, you know, a room full of knickknacks, and it's like, hey, if you touch the right knickknack, you win, and if you don't, you die. Oh, okay. Because I haven't seen Last Crusade since, like, 1992. I mean, you so. at least remember the broad strokes of it. It's an iconic yeah, movie. Yeah, generally. Okay. Well, you know, that's why you're here, Tim. You're you're filling in my many, many gaps. Right. Um, but, yeah, so uh, you have to pick the right tchotchke mm-hmm. and say Oz, and if you're right, you're all free. But and if you don't, you get turned into a tchotchke and you get to live the rest of your life as a as a knickknack, as a as an ashtray. Yeah, you get to be like a uh, you get to be a cookie jar in a Ross dress for less for <laughs> the rest of your life. Again, a horrifying movie. Yeah. So um, everybody guesses wrong, of course, mm-hmm. because eventually it's going to be up to Dorothy to find her friends. But but not um but not immediately because before that the the gnome king is like. Yeah, I got these ruby slippers. You can put them on and just fuck off. Like, you can just forget your friends. You can just go home and forget all this. But Dorothy would never do that. She's too good-hearted. Right, but it is... I mean, I I can't think of where else I've seen that. I'm sure I will after the episode's been posted. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those well, things where it's like, just, you know, fuck your friends. Take off. Yeah. Save yourself. And that is, like, a nice character moment because it does reveal something about Dorothy and I think one of the reasons why this isn't like one of my absolute stone favorites of this era of dark fantasy Mm -hmm. like has a lot to do with the source material the fact that Dorothy just isn't that interesting as a character Mm -hmm. like she's a nice kid and that's about it right um now you compare that to Labyrinth 
which to me is so much more interesting because uh, Sarah, Jennifer Connelly's character, starts off as just like she's a selfish a real, teenager. Yeah, she's a little brat. Right. Like, yeah. You know, and you kind of understand where she's and coming from because it's a like, yeah, she's theater kid. So. Uh oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, because she's like in the park, like larping. Oh, I know. Just it starts just raining. Awful. I would not even have fingered her when I was fourteen. <laughs> Ah, uh, a nice kid. But um no, she's like uh you know, you get it. Great. Yeah, thanks Tim. <laughs> she's uh you know, she's a brat. She doesn't get along with her stepmom. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to watch her little brother, so she kind of says something cruel in a glib way that leads to like horrible consequences. Mm-hmm. And in her journey through the labyrinth, she learns some things. And that movie to me like is a really a uh, wonderful example of kind of like a, a coming of age story for a teenage girl, like told in the fantasy milieu, like you, like um, because it isn't just like kind of a hero's journey, but a lot of it has to do with um, kind of the terror of being like an adolescent girl and like becoming aware of sexuality, uh, David Bowie's pants, mm-hmm. um, and how scary that is. Well, um, scary but, but still... arousing. Right. Um, so you're still like you're still a child, but you're kind of making these first tentative steps into adulthood, and that's really that can be really frightening. Mm-hmm. And the world is a frightening place. Like even this kind of like magical fantasy world of like, you know, friendly monsters and like talking foxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes the movie really rich. Like Return to Oz, less so because it's more like uh, you know, it's and it's you know so you mentioned like. Yeah, but it's not like, um, like, thematically it doesn't feel as rich, even though, like, you know, there are elements there, like, um, you know, at the beginning of the movie, like, not only is um, Dorothy, like, kind of suffering psychologically in, like, this bleak landscape, like, her, like, her uncle is apparently, like, traumatically injured, mm-hmm. like, Aunt M says, like, well, you know, that leg's healed, but he's still not able to work. Right. And, like, Dorothy's not able to work, so it's like, you know, cause she, she can't fucking sleep. So, you know, obviously she's <laughs> not coping childhood well. Childhood anxiety. Yeah, and so, like, there's that sense at the beginning of, like, terror and precarity. Like, even the chicken, like, can't lay an egg. Mm-hmm. It's it's this it's this terror of like shit. What's gonna happen if we don't figure something out? Yeah, it's being it isn't a just being poor. It's of being destitute, right? And um, like so that's like kind of interesting. And also like um, I guess there are elements in the movie of like these kind of like certainly like these kind of primal fears. I don't know. It just doesn't feel as like well-rounded is something like labyrinth maybe because like the characters are like pretty flat i don't know i'm i think that it has such a jarring departure from the original wizard of oz that Mm -hmm. you're dealing with um palpable terrorizing fears when presented to a much younger child versus i mean even labyrinth like Yes, you know, Jennifer Connelly's character does, you know, undergo an arc, but still she's like a teenager. She has, you know, some sense of self and Mm -hmm. the problems there are still kind of, you know, campy where it's like, oh, I'll deal with these, you know, singing fox creatures by pulling their heads off and kicking them. 
Oh, these fucking birds dancing at me. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. These like bird fox things. Um, and still, it's like you know, you know, it's like the bog of eternal stench. Like, oh, you'll you'll smell bad forever. Versus like, or you'll be turned into a statue and decapitated. Like that. That's one of those things I think is a more legitimate fear. Prince of the land of stench. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> so even even labyrinth, despite being darker is does still feel more you know arch camp fantasy whereas you know return to oz is more like kid if you don't get your shit together we're going to fry your brain in a victorian madhouse well i guess because it's like um maybe it's um maybe it's kind of like a horror movie where it's like the scares are good Mm -hmm. but it's not like it's not necessarily like about something like a lot of the really great horror films of that era had like you know like a right subtext right yeah to them, yeah i guess the- where it was like you know the one that i keep bringing up is like nightmare on elm street is how adults absolutely will fucking fail you at every turn <laughs> right yeah it's it's parents don't understand the the uh, psychological trauma that you're going through right which you know there are elements of that in this movie i mean like um and you know aunt em is maybe making like a hasty decision by taking mm. Dorothy, Dorothy to get electroshock, but yeah. she's at her wit's end. Like, she doesn't know what else to do. And hey, doctors know what they're doing, right? <laughs> Look, it's almost the end of the 19th century. How much further can medical science progress than it has? Also, the electric machine has a face on it. Yeah, look, it's got electricity. What else do you want? We haven't, you know, we haven't <laughs> unlocked the magic of the atom yet this is as good as we're going to get shit that's so funny that you said that because i literally just thought what happens to oz when they split the atom that there that's another question worth asking let's re-return to oz well that brings us back around to threads right (laughs) um i guess it to to ask your own question again jen would be if you don't think oz you know return to oz is about anything what how would you describe it if if you if someone asks you what is Return to Oz about, um, I mean, I guess on the one level, it's simply, um, well, it isn't just that it's like a it's a dark reimagining of Oz. It's mm-hmm. closer to the L. Frank Baum source material. It's more like Oz for a more cynical time. Okay. Um, maybe it's like Oz for adults, in a way, or at least like what, like, um. Yeah, I mean, you would have been an adult by that point if you had grown up with The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Like, and because I remember, like, as a as a small child, like, I really loved, like, the Pippi Longstocking stories. Like, I liked the movies and I read the books a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, And you notice how when you're a kid, like, as you get older, there's always that period of, like, uh, like cool teen cynicism that you go through. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're kind of leaving your childhood identity behind and, like, you know, groping towards adulthood. Mm-hmm. Well, like, as a kid, it's like, yeah, Pippi Longstocking, she lives alone in a house and she's got a horse and she's the strongest girl in the world. And then as a teen, I was like, those books are like, that's so stupid. Like, that doesn't even make sense. That would never happen. Yeah. How can one girl own a horse? Come on. But it's a little bit of a, um, I mean, it's a very teenage thing to do because it's like, oh, you think you're smart and you haven't figured out and that you're too cool for school. But then as an adult, you like 
come back around to understanding the value of these stories. Right, yeah, their they're simple fantasy is a means to explain a more complex topic. Right, and it's like, yeah, like, Pippi Longstocking is the strongest fucking girl in the world, and if she wants to pick up a whole goddamn horse, she can do it. Yeah, it's it's a simple character with one defining trait that you use as a... Um, uh, as as a well, I think it's I think it's important that as a Pippi paragon, has. I guess. Yeah, because it's important that Pippi Longstocking has two normal kid friends, Tommy and Annika. Right. Yeah, because because they're a little bit of audience circus to be like, damn, like wouldn't you love to be friends with Pippi Longstocking? Because she can kick your bullies' asses and she'll take you to the <laughs> South Seas and shit. You meet pirates. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh my god, I hear she's a total bitch though. She's talking about you behind your back though. Oh. Yeah. Damn it, those teens again. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, they're a simple method of saying, look, if you had this ability, how would you then interact with the world? Um, I think what you're saying is that we don't get as much precociousness from Dorothy because, again, like, the, the problem that I have about this movie, about this horror movie that we watch <laughs> is that it has too many, like, real immediate kind of unsettling ideas behind it that mm-hmm. are presented to someone who I think is way too young to be exposed to them. Yeah, and maybe um like the essential like the character of of Dorothy is like essentially like a sunny one and an optimistic one. Yeah. And maybe you kind of need that in a setting like that cuz imagine if she was like a fragile child who just like broke down right. when confronted by these things. It would be like too hard to watch. Yeah, but uh, like a child being tortured basically. Yeah, and even even if you take um Dorothy to have like a sunny optimistic um you know point of view and you know she is a protagonist in this. She affects change. She gets things done. Mm-hmm. But despite mm-hmm. all that, you still and maybe this is just me or the movie establishing mood so effectively, but you're like you do realize at the end of this, you're going to get like electroshock therapy again, no matter like how successful, like that sort of electrified sort of Damocles is like hanging over all these proceedings. Like even at the end of it, when she's successful, Ah. you know, when she, you know, beats the two villains and, you know, reinstates the, um, you know, the scarecrow as the king and we've got TikTok all polished up and they have a parade and the lion's back and all our friends are there. It's still like, well, I got to go back. Um, I think, I, you know, I might be a vegetable afterwards. You guys have fun. I wish I could stay. I need. To- but they throw us a bone because um, the creepy asylum or whatever the doctor was operating out of was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. And not only that, he ran back in to try to get his equipment and is ostensibly dead. All right. So a bunch of um, mental patients died and doctors yeah so but they would have had to do it because even then like i'm you know mentally noting like even if she comes back and she's like oh i had my fun adventure where i didn't drown um during this flood uh in real life um they'll be like okay that's good i'm so glad you're safe again okay now back to have the ice pick put behind your eyelids but they also, and this is the other bone they throw us, Dorothy learns how to mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. There's a point where she wants to say, hey, Aunt Em, look, like, Ozma's here. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, 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 don't, don't say <laughs> I, shit. I, I, that shit away. God damn. So it's her learning to cope with familial abuse, basically. 
Well, I mean, God, this the, is, it's so heavy, Doc. I've seen people argue like how um, I mean, there's one interpretation mm. you can take of the original Wizard of Oz where like it's a um, like it's an assertion of of conformity where it's like, OK, Dorothy, it's nice that you had your little time in the magical land, but you got to come back yeah, to Kansas. You got to slop the pigs. Come on. Like you can't like you can't go be gay with your friends. Like you got to be here in boring old Kansas. You can't go and, west with your, you know, live with the village people and the yellow brick road. Yeah. yeah. Cut off the chickens' heads and prepare them for dinner. And yeah, like sorry, Dorothy, you gotta, you know, you gotta go back to farm life, which is just gonna wear you to nothing, and you're gonna end up in a photo by Dorothy Ling. Right. You'll you'll be uh, you poor but proud. Yeah. And you'll marry so, your second cousin. You'll uh, never like the only time you'll ever socialize is Sundays at church, where you, maybe die of purpural fever or live to see your children die <laughs> two two of your 10 children survive to young adulthood yeah before one of them dies in a thresher accident right or is merely maimed for life i you know thus, and then turns to alcoholism oh oh we have a name for that now but you know like fuck like, that oz like, shit it's child it's childish right. why would you, why would you even want to live in oz it's ridiculous but um yeah so the original wizard of oz like you could take like a pretty dark reading of it if you wanted to. Yeah, if you're um, one of those jaded kids who grew up watching Return to Oz. Right. Or maybe it's a little bit I mean, I think it's more in the um in the in line with the end of Labyrinth, you know, where Sarah has grown up and she realizes like, oh, I've been really childish and, and selfish, but you know, all her little puppet friends are like, hey, if you ever need us, we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, can be childish like, when you need to. Just, you know, act like a fucking well, grown-up. I mean, like, as nerds, like, we don't really have any room to Oh, no, to obviously, obviously not. Yeah, I have no <laughs> adult skills. I mean, I still will watch movies like Return to Oz and Labyrinth. And yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like, know. I do a podcast, for fuck's sake. Like, what? what's, like, self-respecting adult does that? We could, like, Apart you know, from hey, Mark Maron, like, I guess. You're a big Muppets fan? Yeah, well, Muppets are great. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter what age you are. Oh, fuck, I am a nerd. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, shouts out Brian Henson doing a great job in this movie. And yeah. um, Continuing to run the family inter- business. It, one thing that was interesting to me about, like, a, another parallel between, um, if you watch, like, Wonderful Land of Oz and then you watch Return, of o- Return to Oz, mm-hmm. the voice of Jack the pumpkin head is like really similar in both. Like it just, and in wonderful land of Oz, you see him like literally created and he does act like someone who was created a day ago would act like he doesn't know shit. Right. Um, but, and maybe in this movie, he's a little bit more of a, he seems a little bit more teenage, like kind of like a, a slow adolescent, but they have really similar voices. Like Brian Henson is doing like a really similar voice to the, anonymous mm-hmm. person who played Jack the Pumpkinhead in Wonderful Land of Oz, which is made by the same guy who made fucking Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, but it's like know, they both it, his performance was definitive. They both arrived at the same characterization of Jack the Pumpkinhead, like as a naive adolescent. Yeah, well, it, it was because it's such a strong character. Like, how else could you play him? I mean, I'm, I'm curious, like, well, what, you yeah. know, what performance notes, you know, uh, 
10 year old Feruza Balk got on her performance? Like, is she going back and like watching old, um, you know, old Judy Garland movies? Be like, I need to inform my, my process so I can act <laughs> She was well. like, I'm going to do amphetamines yeah. so I can really understand what Judy was going through. <laughs> right, yeah. And I hope not. I hope, I hope, I hope the industry was at least okay to you, Faruza. Call us. We'd love to interview you. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, well, here's an important question, mm-hmm. uh, Tim, for you as a programmer. What do you think about the UI and UX on TikTok? Uh, you know, it's, it's fairly straightforward, and I can understand that... Um, uh, yeah, there are, you know, three different processes that are not necessarily related. And I do like the, you know, um, emergent behavior that can come from, you know, winding up like, you know, his uh, his vocal, but not his thought. He can just like run his mouth like, hell, he, he could do my part on this show. Um, or, you know, you can just have the thoughts going and like he's not actually doing anything. He's, in, you know, a literal computer and he's got his other, you know, wind up motor function like it's. It's three distinct processes that, you know, they all work together to create the um, uh, uh, false caricature of life. I will also say that maybe another reason why this didn't initially kind of get over with audiences is the desire to hew so closely to the spirit of L. Frank Baum and how, like... um, our perceptions of appealing characters have like changed over the better part of a century. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if you go back and you look at the illustrations and the original illustrations in Oz books, you're kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, like look up the patchwork girl of Oz. I'm like, this is awful. I would burn that thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, um, no, it's fun and whimsical. It's like, yeah, like, t- uh, you know, TikTok is kind of round and he's got big round eyes, mm. but he's like, kind of like, uh, and then. He's no uh, E.T., you know, the universally loved mound of dog shit. Oh, God. I really hate that little <laughs> fucker. It makes me happy to see him face down in that fucking creek bed or whatever. I'm like, good. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. No, um, I like TikTok's design, and and you know I I understand that it's, I, it was, it's neat. Yeah, it was a it was a deliberate design decision for him to be unable to crank himself up, crank himself off, whatever. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> because man, that, that must suck when you you your thought was wound up, but you're not your actions. So you're thinking all these horny thoughts, but you can't beat off. Yeah, you can't crank yourself. Up. <laughs> but yeah, I've been there, buddy. Right. But yeah, that had to have been a literal design decision because I mean, all it is is once. TikTok has in mind, he's like, I'm sick of being the army for Emerald City. I want to be the dictator of Emerald City. No one can stop him because they have no other army. And they don't. They can't just rely on waiting him to, to wind down because he'll just wind himself up anytime that he needs to. And so now you have your, you know, de facto, you know, dead ruler of Oz, who's <laughs> this homicidal robot. You've, you've got, um, what, Ultron, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. Smart. So yeah, that was that was a. I can understand that as a, as a deliberate design decision for him being unable to crank himself up. Smart. Yeah, because he you need also him to be nobody in the wants to see a robot beat off. You might. I mean, well, <laughs> I go to Soriyama for right. That. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Soriyama's returned. Soriyama of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy. I think that was bad before. Yeah. So, uh, like, I don't know. Like, um, these 
And I do appreciate the attention to detail, even though I'm not like a like an L. Frank Baum head. Right. Or whatever. Because it's like, oh, hey, you know, that is that he was very close to these original illustrations. Like I um, it, it's a little weird to go from like the Ray Bulger scarecrow, which is very expressive to a scarecrow who is freaking like, dead eyed puppet. Just... Yeah, I'm like and I don't know if. Maybe there was like a budgetary decision. There is a point where they change his facial expression. So obviously there are a couple different heads, mm-hmm. which it's like, okay. But yeah, it's- not having the Scarecrow's face move was like, uh, I It's too jarring, vetoed that. even if you can justify it by saying he's a Scarecrow and doesn't have a real human face, not like the original Wizard of Oz one. He's not an actor yeah. in makeup. He's an animatronic puppet. He's again. He's a he's a grotesque mockery of life. That's right, that's your yeah. king. Like, well, that seems to be like that seems to be the lot of a lot of these characters from Oz. I mean, like TikTok yeah. is like, yeah, like I'm not alive. Like, fuck it. I think it's great. Yeah, I, you know, I speak Jack and I move and I head. have no life. Yes. Yeah, like Jack the Pumpkin Head. Like, fortunately, seems like too stupid to like contemplate his own existence. Yeah, I mean, he does take it with a plum. He's like, yeah, you know, my arms and legs can pop off, and I can, you know, my head might rot away, but hey, you know, <laughs> comes with the territory. God, imagine like opening like uh, Jack the Pumpkin Head's head, and there are just like maggots writhing <laughs> in it. Yeah, it just got black mold, just you know, filling out the whole inside. Yeah, it's like when you pull pumpkin. the, it's like when you pull the top off a Halloween pumpkin. And it's just like, yeah, there's like mold yeah. going in it. <laughs> but he doesn't have a brain; just pumpkin seeds. So yeah, so he's fine. He's an, he's an, what a dumbass. <laughs> what an untroubled life he must lead. And then that animal <laughs> that was like, and again, he does allude to it too, like his condition of unlife, where what they um. They they assemble this monstrosity from two two couches, some palm fronds, and the um, stuffed and mounted head of a gump. And and even like when they reanimate him, they're like, "Oh, the last thing I remember was hearing a loud noise." It's like, yeah, dude, oh, that was you being shot to death. That was your heart exploding. Wow, so I believe the gump is some sort of extinct ungulate. Right. Like, I was just at the Librea Tar Pits, so... Oh, okay. Do you go there to see all the dinosaurs that they dug up? <laughs> it's a conspiracy! <laughs> um. Yeah, well, you know, I guess it's a dark world, and it's not for everyone. <laughs> it really is a horrifying return to Oz. Just everything is in decay. Anything that you loved is gone. And you're here alone as an actual child with no one to protect you, but a chicken. But the important, the important thing is that uh, Dorothy has managed to live with her extended hallucinations. Right. Yeah. So enjoy Shutter Island for kids. <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't know. I think we're done. I'll probably use a bit of you talking as Kermit. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I can try and do some bit about like you know, we we need to traumatize the child more. <laughs> that's just that's just Jim Henson talking. <laughs> <laughs>